Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Keto. My name is Hans. I'm Edward. And we are your hosts for now and forevermore. Or until Hans becomes a Pokemon master and leaves me home listen, alone. Listen, listen. Y'all must know that that is on the agenda and I will drop Edward <laughs> the moment the opportunity arises if I can have my own Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. I actually can see that happening. If you are new to Gettle, welcome to one of the internet's favorite podcasts for gaming, entertainment, technology, and lifestyle, all wrapped up in a wonderful, geeky watermelon, because I've got a song in my stuff That's in my head. That's something. Welcome, everybody. If you're one of our usual listeners, welcome back, bitches. So this is technically Gettle 48, Season 2, Episode 6. And boy, do Edward and I have some luscious topics to discuss with you all today. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get to that, as per (laughs) usual, Edward, how are you doing? I'm good. Can't complain. Um, It's the usual life getting old, falling apart, you know, you're the royal. Gosh, don't even get me started. See, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> just, much like our previous episode, we're just going to leave those things yep. undiscussed. <laughs> it's better that way. <laughs> Alrighty, um, let's get straight into some reviews and previews. Edward, you've been reviewing yeah. some video games, which we alluded to in a previous episode. But this week, you're going to lead yeah. us through some of them in a little more detail. Okay, so so previously we spoke about both uh super mario world 3d plus bowser's fury yes and persona 5 now those are just two games never mind the long ass names <laughs> and never mind um, the 500 other games edward is currently still load balancing amongst different yeah, platforms I'm, as well <laughs> i'm trying okay um yeah so starting with super mario world it's just a remaster of a seven-year-old game uh there's nothing more to say about it other than i do like how varied it is it's got like 100 as uh that stages. is a lot and that is a lot yeah it's huge it's one of the biggest mario games i've ever played and i've played odyssey so there's that um and then it's also has a brand new expansion called bowser's fury which i sent in most of my review on actually Correct. um Correct. since yeah. it's new um and that's short so, uh, compared to mario world um bowser's fury is only like seven hours or so um, Which is but it's, still, I mean, let's be fair here. For a modern video game, that's that's decent, hey? Yeah, that's that's the average modern video. I game, mean, don't get me uh, wrong; we fair. would love it if things were longer. Um, you know, of yes. course, you know, if you talk about a game like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, right, which has like hundreds and hours of gameplay, but that's because it's so open ended. I'm assuming mm. the game that you're speaking about now is not as open ended, correct? So, so no. after those seven hours, do you want to go back? I it's it's too linear to go back. Okay, fair enough. Um, I would say credit to its replayability is the 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 power ups you get because, as you all know, in Mario you get power ups that make Mario big that makes him change uh, skins. <laughs> I'm immediately thinking right of you know bumping the bumping the the blocks yeah, the and little, then eating the, the mushroom little bricks. <laughs> yeah, if you want to yeah. know what mush- so what eating mushrooms is like, make sure to have a look at season two episode five. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Ooh, plugins. <laughs> I like that. Um, 
and it, it's too short and linear to actually go back in my opinion right. um i did like the change of camera though it's it's more third person now and it's more scary now scary but it's not for a, a mario horror game? game yeah it's it's it it plays off in the dark um and you, you go through these linear levels uh tiny open spaces instead of huge stages um for like seven hours and then wow. you beat a fear uh fury bowser is is what his name okay. is and let me just say it's basically just going to max bowser uh listen which is I, I know i know that that new Pokemon like evolution. you usually say that as if it's not an amazing thing i kind of like gigantamax Pokemon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if it's a gigantamax bowser that we have to deal with sounds sounds interesting to me uh, personally to me i think Gigantamax is just a little bit of a gimmick. Um, I would love it if they actually had proper evolutions past the okay, final Okay, that's Pokemon now. But but back to, anyway, back yeah. to Super Mario. I'm, I'm, I'm actually curious. Yes. Do you think that this Bowser's Fury add-on is a taste of things to come? Mm, maybe. Um, I don't think we'll ever get a game like this other than maybe Luigi's Mansion. Um... But I do think that the expansion thing with the remaster, that's something I really want to see uh, more all of, the way, yeah. uh, every time. Yeah, yeah. Because it's nice to get a remaster of an old game. Okay, whatever, fine. It's, everyone's doing it now. But <laughs> getting that plus extra content and, and a brand new module of content, I think that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Look, um, the little bit that I've seen of it. Yeah. So going on from the same question that I just posed you now, I have a feeling mm. it is very much a taste of what we will see for future Super Mario games, mainly because it emulates a little bit of the tech that we've seen in the previous um, Super Mario World. I think the one that, that launched on Switch, the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's yeah. interesting. So either way, you enjoyed it, right? And you'd give it out of EGAD? Yeah. I would say it's, it's good. Uh, I okay. mean, it's not exceptional. I usually... I'm not one to to think about the Mario games as perfect games at all, even though the entire world seems to think they are. That's just um, Nintendo in general. But <laughs> yeah, the, for a Mario game, it's one of the better ones. And also, I will mention this, which I forgot to mention just now. It is not a limited release, which I hate Nintendo. Uh, yes, yes. So for the 35th, yeah, Mario 35th anniversary. Yeah. Anniversary. Um, all of the previous releases, the the remasters we've been getting, were limited releases, which means Nintendo will release them and then redraw. You know, so you can't buy them anymore. Yeah, that in itself is a very strange business practice. And weirdly enough, weirdly enough, I actually do want to speak about that a little bit later on in the episode. We're going to be broaching Mm. NFTs, and if you don't know what that is, make sure you stay tuned because it's a very very interesting conversation. Yeah, so this one is not a limited release, which I mm. I think that that's better, in my opinion. It, it's more consumer-friendly. You can buy it whenever well, you want. naturally. You don't need to save up for it. Yeah. You don't need to um, hold on to some cash until it releases, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, and then cool. the second game. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I, moving on, because I've, I've been speaking about Mario for so long now. Uh, Persona <laughs> 5 is a fun game. It's so fun. Um Persona 5 Strikers is equally as fun, but now this is where the, the issues come in. Okay, hold, wait, it's, wait, it's wait, wait, s- wait, wait, before you carry on, because I'm a noob here, yeah. right? Yeah. What is Persona 5? 
Okay, so Persona 5, all the Persona, Persona okay. games are JRPGs. They are... Ah, okay. Um, they, they mix... Um, I forgot the genre, but the the, the visual novel. They uh, mix visual uh, novel oh. with, J, with RPG. So, so Now you, you have my can, interest, actually. Yes, yeah, so, so so essentially you can walk around maps. It's it's big stages. Uh, most of them are set in Japan. Um, Persona Five is set in Shibuya, um, and it's it's just a big open world RPG. Okay. Essentially, um, obviously, open world doesn't mean the same thing that it meant when Final Fantasy IV was released. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it you still have the entire Japan. Um, in Persona, you have things called metaverses, which is essentially this other universe inside, inside the reality, which changes everything. Okay. Um, now it it concerns itself with with the Phantom Heart gang, which is just this group of high school teenagers. Is, is, is that Persona in general, um, or are we talking about Strikers now? Well, that's Persona Five oh. um, so far. Okay. Now, now the reason I'm I'm mentioning Persona Five so much is because you need the lead up; otherwise, you you won't well, know anything. You see, well, th- this was this was my point. Now, as somebody who's never yes. played uh, a Persona title before, and now hearing of Persona Five Strikers, it's you know this is why I wanted mm. the, the distinction, you know, the clarification between why, yeah, you know. Like, anyway, carry on. Yeah, so so it's good you want this um, because you you see Persona Five Strikers and you see this brand new marketing around it, which is oh, it's this all new hack and slash game, it's this all new fighting game, and everything's different. So immediately you think, oh, so this is a good entry point. It yes. is not. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Persona Five Strikers is a direct sequel to Persona Five, without any context. Um, there what? is no easy way for a newcomer to find out what the game is about, to to, to see who these characters are. There there yeah. are no backstory, uh, backstories. Um, so so, is it? I mean, I, I might be getting ahead of myself now, but mm. could it have been like DLC in a way? No, I think it's 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 big enough to not be DLC, and it's no, well, removed enough to not be DLC. Yeah, okay, well, what what I what I mean by that is not not in terms of its size, just in terms of. Like, if you needed to play Persona 5, to play Persona 5 yeah. Strikers, it kind of feels like that should have been a glorified add-on. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah? I get what you mean. It, it Like a, like an expansion. Yes, almost, yes. There say. we go. Um, Expansion's probably a better term. But the thing is, the gameplay is it's wildly different from Persona oh. 5. Everything is different. But it's still Persona. I, I can't explain <laughs> other than the fact that it still feels like Persona. It still plays like Persona. But it's not but Persona. <laughs> Yes, but instead of doing this over-the-top JRPG thing, you're now doing this Devil May Cry thing, oh. which is walking around, hacking and slashing, getting combos, defeating lots of enemies at once instead of it just the usual great, turn-based actually. combat. It it sounds great, and it feels great. It plays well. Um, my only issue with it is the fact that um, you do need context from Persona 5. And I if see, that's the case, if you want to go back and you want to play that, I would recommend Persona 5 Royals, since oh. that is the most complete edition oh, um, okay. of Persona 5. Okay, interesting. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's not necessarily an add-on. It is a full-featured game, which is quite different, but it's yeah. built on the Persona 5 universe. And if you haven't played Persona 5, you're going to be at a loss for playing Persona 5 Strikers. So... Yeah. In that sense, yeah. it might ostracize newer players, but then is it good fan service for somebody who's enjoyed Persona 5? 
It, it's a good sequel. Um, it ha- it takes oh, place sequel, a few then, yeah. months after Persona 5. Um, it brings back the same protagonists. And you are playing them in cr- a chronological order. Okay. So, yes, um, I would say for fans of Persona 5, this is a must but, play. But it would have been um, nice if there was sure. a previously on. <laughs> yes, a previously on or some kind of just, oh, you are this guy. I remember <laughs> you from when we did this. <laughs> The, the usual thing sequels tend to do, like yes, I remember yes, Mass yes, Effect yes. 2. It had this entire awkward-ass conversation with Jacob um, in while you're, while bullets are flying. It had this conversation about, oh, where am I? Who am I? Why are we doing this? Uh, Persona 5 Strikers has nothing of that. Okay. And yeah, right. I just wish it and had more of your, that. And your it's, it's great. It's a good game. Okay. Um, it's, it's, again, exceptional. Too many flaws. Um, and also, there are better... RPGs, in my opinion, out there. So, uh, do you want to give a quick example? Like Monster Hunter. I, was, I, I knew you. Monster just, Hunter, I just knew you were going <laughs> to say it because the, the, the new Monster Hunter Rise is coming out on Switch now. Yes, yeah. uh, I honestly cannot wait. And also, it's been announced for PC oh, as well. So, oh, good! I am actually super excited for that. That's as well. probably where you'll play. Uh, uh, I imagine. Probably, yeah. most likely, yeah. yes. All right. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's that's the two big ones I've been playing this week, and there are a few more and in the background. Um, I think what we we, we yes. could rather do is instead of instead of even talking about them, we just need you to know there's more coming because uh, what's, always, what what sometimes happens always. on our end is like we'll talk about the game in a preview, and then we feel like we've partially reviewed it. Already. <laughs> yeah. <pretty laughs> anyway, <much. laughs> um, moving on to the hardware side of things, for those of you who watched the video of uh, season two episode five you would have seen a small little white ball in the background that for the eagle-eyed viewers is a home pod mini now there is no secret that i am a big fan of the home pod i have been since the beginning i had a variety of them in my home before it burnt down and then i proceeded to purchase more for my apartment and to me, the HomePod is an exceptional smart speaker. It provides incredible audio that is well worth the price. Uh, Siri is decent. I mean, she's not as good as Google, for example. But given how she doesn't submit everything to online servers, I do feel that she's more of a privacy-centered approach to a smart speaker. Now... As much as I love the original HomePod, and I truly do, unfortunately, Apple has cancelled it, allegedly. I mean, who knows? Maybe there'll be a newer HomePod coming out. I'm not, nobody's too sure just yet, but they have cancelled, but they have cancelled the current one. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who heard that, that was just Siri going off in the background, because that's just how she is. (laughs) She is listening, (laughs) even though she's not transmitting, but she is listening. Um, now, the, as I said, the HomePod has been cancelled, but HomePod Mini is now here, seemingly to stay. Now, the big difference between the two is where you'd buy a HomePod for sound, and bear in mind, they were even Dolby Atmos capable, which is really incredible for the you know the size and the performance and the price. The HomePod Mini is more of a, let's put an assistant in every room kind of situation, versus something you would buy to have room filling sound and i guess you know looking at the size and looking at the name you would expect that with that said i will admit that the audio is quite good 
it's on par, if not maybe slightly better than the UE Wonderboom, which is honestly one of my all-time favorite portable speakers. I mean, that thing, if you're looking for something that you want to go out of the house with, if anybody's even leaving the house anymore, you know, to the beach or to, you know, to travel, to anything with you, drop it, put it in water, whatever the case is. The Wonderboom 2, I think is the latest one, is absolutely phenomenal. Anyway, back to HomePod Mini. It's a great device. I think for the $100 price tag, which works out to almost 2,000 Rand, it is well worth it, in my opinion, especially coming from a smart speaker perspective. And I would give it a good rating. The only reason why I would maybe miss out on rating it as exceptional is purely from a sound perspective. Uh, you know, going from the HomePod, which I would say is an exceptional speaker device, I would have liked a bit more audio from the Mini. But then again, like I said, given how small it is, and it really is tiny, I mean, it's the size of like a tennis ball, you know, what it can perform is mm. really, really very good. And price-wise, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it hits the ball point. And I think maybe that's why Apple is going, for the, is going to continue with the Mini versus the previous HomePod. Now, the other Apple device, many of you will be <laughs> aware that I've been using for a while, and I'm currently using it right now if you're watching the video, are the Apple AirPods Max. And I'm just going to go into it. These are phenomenal. These are the best earphones I have ever owned. And that's not a stretch. Uh, these things are really, I use them almost on the daily. They're comfortable. The battery is insane. I mean, you can charge it for five minutes, if that, and it can last you several hours. But on general, I maybe charge it once a week. And that's like with hours of usage daily. Like when we record Gettle, um, I generally maybe have only lose about three or four percent battery after about two to three hours. And bear in mind, that's now using the functionality with the noise cancellation on. I'm obviously hearing Edward, um, not the microphone per se right now. But overall, I've not had another pair of headphones that can do that. The construction is fantastic. It is very comfortable on the top with the, the mesh band. I like the stainless steel, you know, look of the, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, the band, I guess, right? You know, that, that comes Head down band. to the earpieces. Um, although the earpieces themselves are aluminium. Now, with that said, the as beautiful as the design is and as great as it works, there are some really dumbass decisions that Apple made with this thing. Um, first of all, lack of USB-C. I don't know what y'all be thinking. That's just stupid, all right? Considering how <laughs> my MacBook, my iPad, and a variety of other devices I have around the house, even the screen that I'm using right now, which I'll be speaking about in a future episode, is all USB-C capable. So to not have this USB-C, it just means that I now have to have an extra cable given how my phones charge wirelessly. So And so does my watch. So I don't even use Lightning for them. So why they use Lightning for this headset, nobody knows. Anyway, the other thing is... The bra that it comes with, which is the case uh, in particular that we're talking about, this thing very much feels like an afterthought. You know, it allegedly puts the the AirPods Max into a low power state, but it's just it doesn't cover cover it. It doesn't offer any protection, and worst of all, it's misaligned in terms of the cutout. So, like when you want to plug the power in, you literally have to move the AirPod in the case. I don't know what what Fong Kong person designed this, but it's very un-Apple like. All right. Um, mm. So that's that. Uh, in terms of the casing, again, 
because of the aluminium sides, one other weird thing to note is that if you turn the earpieces inward, they actually bump off each other. So that introduces the, the possibility of maybe scratching your AirPods Max at a later stage. That's a bit of a downer as well. Look, overall though, because I don't want to speak about this too much, it is an incredible pair of headphones. Um, I can exclusively say that they are phenomenal, not just for music, but for movies. And I would say that they're exceptional. Honestly, um, even for the 12,000 Rand price, I believe you you get what you pay for, especially if you're in the Apple ecosystem, which I am. Now, if I wasn't in the Apple ecosystem, I would probably pick something else, maybe like the Sony XM4s or the new Bose. But because I'm in Apple's ecosystem, just the ease of use of switching between my Mac, my phone, my iPad, even my Apple TV is next level. And That's with... Cool my Apple TV on the mind and movies on the mind. There is a very special movie that I binged last night thinking I wouldn't be able to do it in time for Gettle, but I did for y'all. Edward didn't, but that's beside the point. And so... (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. (laughs) Zack Snyder's Justice League. I can hear the cheers going... Listen, listen, listen. For those of you who have been listening for a long time, you will know that I am quite a harsh critic when it comes to almost anything that I review. Now, Edward and I have in the past, and weird enough, this happened before Gettle. Oh, I would have loved if we had had Gettle back then. We often have differences of opinion when it comes to movies. Not necessarily games and other media, but specifically to do with movies. And I think... That's just, uh, I mean, everybody has different taste. And um, I would imagine it's just got to do with the fact that Edward, and please, if I'm speaking out of turn, Edward, you can correct me. Um, Mm -hmm. But Edward is somebody who will enjoy something just for enjoyment's sake. Right? I mean, I'm not saying that you you don't have criteria for things that you watch, but I just mean like you could have something on and see the, the good in it regardless of what I would then think is absolute trash. That's very true. You know? So... I would almost, in a way, say that you're like a dad, <laughs> you know, because like I think of my mm. dad and he just watches whatever's on TV all the time. It can be like, uh, uh, not not Alec Baldwin, what's that guy? A, a Seagull, it'd be like a Steven Seagal movie and my dad will be Steven enraptured, Seagal, yeah. enraptured. I will look at it for 30 <laughs> seconds and be like, I'm sorry, I'm not wasting my time on that. <laughs> look, lines need to be drawn. <laughs> Steven Seagal is kind of up there. Um... <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme, though. Oh. Okay, no, but listen. Oh, actually, with him on the mind, you know he has a new TV show on Amazon Prime? I do it's not. It's very, very good, by the way. He plays, he oh, plays himself. It's very meta. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, it's very, very, very good. Anyway, <laughs> how about... Let's speak yeah, about that anyway, at, at a later stage because we can get some time to both yeah, watch yeah, a bit yeah. more of it. Anyway, sorry. Let's rein this back in, back to Zack Snyder's Justice League and what I was talking about in terms of our criteria. Now, when... The original Justice League came out. Edward and I were lucky enough to attend the premiere in South Africa. I thought it was the biggest load of hogwash to be released in a long time. But Edward thought that it was decent. Hey, Ed? It was great. I think yeah. if, if, it, it was good. If, um, we, if we had to look at EGAD today, I would say disappointing. Um, Ed, you would give it a? Going back, I would say it's still good. Okay. Um, it, for what we're given, what we have to go by, it was good. You know, 
So that's just giving you an idea of how we both viewed the original. Now, now, everybody listening. Zack Snyder's Justice League is a masterpiece. <laughs> it is That's huge coming from you. It is incredible. Now, understand that I'm saying this from the perspective of DC movies. So I'm not I'm not looking at it from a a Marvel perspective and trying to compare it hmm. to Endgame or anything like that because those are really, you know, truthfully speaking in a league of their own because the MCU has been built over a decade. You know, you had all of these movies building up to this massive thing. That's something Justice League didn't have the privilege of having. You know, Justice League, uh, uh, Warner Brothers and DC were all about shoehorning into the popularity that the MCU was getting. And so instead of building up all of these characters over a decade in much the same way that Marvel did, they kind of were just like, well, let's just do Justice League now. And so when you watch the film, the original incarnation of it at any rate, you often wonder what the fong is going on here. What is happening? Because, mm. you know, for, from my, my perspective, right? I thought that the little, that cyborg from the original cut of the film was just this whiny little bitch and he irritated me to no end. I was like, I'm tired of seeing this character. He's irritating. I'm done. Let me tell you, let me tell you, I have a much larger appreciation for Cyborg now that I've watched the Zack Snyder cut of the film. Because it just does an incredible job of showcasing Cyborg's character. Where he comes from, why he dislikes his father, what happened to him to turn him into Cyborg, and so much more. I'm actually getting goosies talking about it because the... The world building in the Snyder Cut is just, it's outstanding. I mean, I haven't watched Aquaman just because I didn't, it didn't look very good. And from what I've heard from people, it's average and it just didn't feel like, you know, delving into it. Now that I've watched the Snyder Cut, I kind of want to watch Aquaman. And that's unheard of for me because in the original that's cut of the movie, he was just some bro, you know, no nuance. No, you know, embellishments for the character. Now I have an appreciation for the fact that Arthur Curry had his own motivations for not wanting to be king of Atlantis. And, you know, what happened to his mother and why he, went, why he had to pick up the mantle. Things that were just somehow lost by Joss Whedon. Right? I, yeah. I think... I, I, I don't want to be erratic about how I'm speaking about this film, but honestly, the biggest, biggest, biggest thing for me, and this consistently blows my mind every time I think about it, is where did Zack Snyder get all of this material from? Because my understanding is the reshoots reshoots were minimal. It was mostly just voiceover. Mm. So that means that Whedon castrated the film for... What reason? Now, I understand. Maybe it would be like if Edward and I each made a film and it would look very different and maybe we would cut out select parts. That's fair. That's fair. But Edward posed a very interesting conspiracy theory to me the other day. <laughs> As always. And, and just just give us a, a quick one about that, Ed. Um, well, I pose a lot of conspiracy theories to you. <laughs> it's the, the one about how 
you know, Whedon was one of Marvel's golden boys. Oh, that one. Okay, so, <laughs> oh, I can go into an entire rant about that. <laughs> um, and when you mentioned Whedon and the Endgame movies earlier, well, the Marvel movies earlier, I wanted to also interject with that. <laughs> Essentially, as we all know, Josh Whedon is Marvel's golden boy. He's yeah. the one that made, that help, helped make all the Avengers movies. I think all except Ultron. Um, and essentially when Zack Snyder had to leave uh, Justice League, when he, when he had to step down for personal reasons, um, Warner Brothers paid Josh Whedon a crap ton of money to come and, I say in air quotes, fix this film. Now, mm. we that was around the exact same time that Infinity War was releasing. I'm thinking that Josh Whedon, being the Marvel golden boy and being the big Marvel fan that he is, he's, he's a well-known Marvel fan. He's a he's a collector of comics, of all the Marvel comics. He is a well-known um, naysayer of the DC comics. I think he dis- deliberately maybe cut, castrated, as Hans said earlier, the film and made it a little bit of more of a mess than it should have been. Um, Look, and I think the research especially um, is attributed to that fact. What I would say is before watching the Snyder Cut, I would have said that's hogwash. There's no way somebody that prolific with such a great career and so much respect in the industry would do something like that. And I would then argue, you know, the reason why the Marvel movies have worked is because they're all pretty lighthearted the core you know they have the jokes they have the things now it's obvious he tried doing those for justice league unfortunately snyder's vision has never been a light-hearted superhero film i mean man of steel is a great example of that and that's still one of my one of my favorite dc films and i know most people don't like it but i loved it i cry every single time jonathan kent dies now you know I'd like to think he wouldn't do that. And I'd like to think he tried, you know, I, I think he was almost forced to add a Marvel touch to mm-hmm. to Justice League. That's almost how, well, how I would look at it. You know, with that said, that makes though, sense. there's so much in the Snyder Cut that I am genuinely shocked that certain scenes were cut and were, didn't feature in the film. I mean, I look, now, I look at the runtime of Endgame and Infinity War, and they all broach about three hours. Even Batman vs. Superman, which I actually enjoyed quite a bit, was three hours. So why then was Justice League, a movie with even more context, or that needed even more context, why was that only two hours? Don't tell me that you couldn't have fit in an extra hour, which is all that movie genuinely would have needed to fill in the context for the characters. Which, granted, Snyder has made it four hours, so therefore there's even more context for everybody. And, you know, the world building, especially for Steppenwolf and Darkseid, it's just, man, it's just so good. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I, Look, I'm honestly, truly, truly glad that whoever it was at, at Warner Brothers or HBO or wherever decided, let's let Snyder finish the film the way that he mm. originally envisaged it and i'm so glad that they did because one of my favorite things and if i can and i use that loosely especially when it comes to the dc movies 
is Snyder's vision for the films. Because in direct contrast to Marvel Cinematic Universe, Snyder's vision is dark. It's broody. It's it's vicious. It's violent. It's meant to showcase a world that isn't, you know, uh, airy-fairy, you know. Like, sure, Marvel eventually towards the later films started going a little bit more into, you know, the darker elements. But DC's been like that from the start, I I guess technically because of Batman. Thing is, though, Mm. it just worked so well for them. And, you know, to see that come to fruition in the Justice League, I I was actually messaging Edward while I was watching the the movie and the number of gooseies, the goose flesh that I got in this film from from seeing Diana Wonder Woman move in a way I've never seen her in the films before. And you know what? You can say whatever you want about Patty Jenkins' films, but the first one was great. The second one is a load of trash. And as far as I'm concerned, I would love a Snyder version of Wonder Woman because her scenes almost, I mean, I don't want to say stole the show, but gosh, damn is Wonder Woman amazing all right like you could Um, feel her power you could feel that she's a five thousand year old being in terms of the other characters you know it's things like seeing aquaman not just being a bro but being somebody who has personality and the flash oh my gosh barry allen in so many scenes i mean yes he's kind of stole the show in the original cut but there's so much more to his i just I can't get over, I can't get over mm. how much was cut for the backstories for these characters. And of all of the biggest changes, the best, best, best one. Oh, well, two of the best ones. Because I'm a huge, I'm a big Superman fan, right? He's my one of my favorite DC characters. His whole arc just felt so real and true to character. And the new scenes of him kicking ass are like legit amazing. Anyway, I want to get more to the villains and stuff. The exploration of Steppenwolf was fantastic because he was just, I don't know, I, I, don't even, I don't even remember him in the original cut of the film. But in this one, he's an actual character that has a redemption story. That's what his story is about. And, you know, Darkseid being the overall ruler in the background. And I think the film is, is fantastic. If you didn't like the original, you will, in my opinion, really enjoy this one. If you liked the previous one, you will be out of your mind happy with this one. And it's just, it's a really, really great film. Um, I think there are a lot of other things that I haven't mentioned, a lot of things that I don't really want to spoil because the the story arcs are actually, it it feels like a new movie. It doesn't feel like he took another film and just made his, it feels like a new film. Like when we watched it, I thought maybe maybe half an hour of it seemed familiar. The rest of it was just so different. So, 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 so different. Um, and I think the worst, worst, worst part about Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League is that there isn't going to be a sequel. That is oh, hands down the absolute worst part of this film is how good it is how fantastic it sets up a next film. And I'm talking about stuff that I didn't even realize was in the DC universe, like old gods and stuff, which all make appearances in this film. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. And I think that is the worst part about watching this movie is that you're going to watch it and want the sequel that Snyder envisioned and you're never going to get it. Well, yeah. let's, never, let's not say never, right? 
because uh, this we yeah, thought exactly. no, we were never going to get. So maybe if there's enough of a uh, you know fan pickup, they'll use him you know for the next one. But he himself that's, has said he doesn't. That's want what I'm hoping. So. Yeah, uh, Snyder himself said um, this is the end of the Man of Steel arc. Um, so Which we might mean, not even no, get the Man of Steel see, 2 movie. Wait, hold on. You mean we're never going to get a Man of Steel 2 movie or we're going to get a Man of Steel Might 2? not. Look, might not I'm get. sad about that because I still feel that of the recent spat of DC films, Man of Steel is one of the best ones. Um, and yeah. I'm sad that Superman which is honestly one of the biggest and most popular DC characters, was literally pushed to the background, along with Batman, in Batman vs. Superman and Justice League. They really just became secondary characters to whatever, the, whatever else was going on in the grand scheme of things. However, if you watch Snyder's version of the film in context, it just, it actually, it, there's so many more scenes of Batman and of Superman that you just never, you've never seen before. And you're like, why were they cut? Mm. We needed this exposition. We needed this context. Anyway, it's, been, it's a fantastic, fantastic film. It's easily one of my favorites, which is very rare. For, I mean, favorites from the DC universe. It's very rare for me to say something like that. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I wish Snyder does, did more superhero stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you know, given how we're never going to get a sequel and, well, at least we assume we're never going to get a sequel. And, you know, Snyder's origin story is, is what is going to go down to the wayside, I suppose. Um, is Dracula, Edward? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's uh, the one. The gr- old granddaddy Dracul. So The original We've vampire. spoken about vampires many times. And Edward and I love Twilight vampires. Because, like, y'all... If the worst thing in my life is the fact that I sparkle in the sun and I have beautiful amber eyes, sign me up. Okay, I've said so before, and I will say it again. Now, of course, that is in direct contrast to Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's... Who was The moment you said sin. that, I was thinking, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the original Dracula didn't look anything like amber eyes. And he couldn't and even smart. eat garlic, okay, which we all know we've spoken <laughs> about in a previous episode. <laughs> So, the, the, one of the main reasons why I bring this up uh, is because I found something really fascinating about this. And it has to do with the story of Bram Stoker and his original Dracula. Now, Edward is an author, an aspiring author. And he knows in all the times that I edit his work, I will often maybe say, remove this, change that. Um, this should be reworked because I I could be an editor by trade uh, because of the skill sets that I have. Thing is, I found out that Bram Stoker's Dracula was modified before release as well. And Sounds about right. this, you know, doesn't sound at first glance. You're like, oh, so what? Everything's modified at release. So it's not a huge, you know, it's not a huge deal. The difference, though, is that this modification removed an entire paragraph where Bram Stoker actually says that he believes the story of Dracula is real and that his story needs to serve as a warning for this kind of evil in the world. So, See, that's something you don't take out of books. <laughs> well, 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 that's what you'd think, right? You'd think so. Now, of course, 
authors can embellish their works in any ways they like. But this, to me, sounds mm. like, wow. Like, if he really said that, why would, why would somebody remove that? Anyway, mm. if you read a little bit more into it, it turns out that the initial UK editor took it out because at the time, and of course, you know, the UK was a cesspool in the 1800s of, um, you know, serial killers. Essentially, there was another serial killer roaming the streets and uh, they didn't want to publish the story in the fear that it would scare people too much because of his warning at the beginning of the book. You know, you're kind of looking back at that and you're thinking, dumbass, shouldn't have done that. But anyway, you know, (laughs) so... Wow. No, no, it, it, it goes further though. It goes further. So it turns out that almost half the book was cut and that a big part of it includes like actual historical fact from the locations that Bram Stoker lived in. Like, for example, how in the in real life, there was a book, uh, there was a, sh- a ship called the Dimitri, which allegedly, you know, is the ship that arrives and it's, it's, it has like, you know, caskets of earth and blah, blah, blah. In real life, mm-hmm. it was, there was actually a ship. It actually arrived and it actually did carry those things. But in his book, he calls it the, the, the Demeter, for example. So if you actually take the text and you go and look into the little things that he changed, because he, because according to Bram Stoker, he also actually knew a real Jonathan Harker, his wife, and a Dr. Seward. So these are all characters he actually knew. But the reason why nobody knows about any of this stuff is because the first, I think it was almost 100 or 200 pages of the original manuscript are forever lost. And then there's another piece of the original manuscript, which allegedly turned up in Pennsylvania, America, which includes the manuscript with the first hundred pages missing. And the interesting part about this is that Mm. this manuscript starts where um, I think it's Jonathan Harker is on a train. And that is how the original book begins. But according to the original manuscript, that's 100 pages into the story already. Wow. Right? So essentially it was edited just... Just a little bit to remove all the truthful elements. Yes, of so accordingly, it's things that things like um, who Dracula is and where he was located and what he did and the myth of how he came and all of these alleged things where Stoker believed were real are all have all been cut. Now, no one really knows where these pages are. But allegedly, if you do go and do some research, you you can find snippets of the of what the original story was about um, around the world. Most notably in one, I think it's an Icelandic uh, print of the book, first edition. It has elements in there that none of the other books have. Anyway, I just, I thought it was absolutely incredible that, um, you know, the granddaddy of writing the Dracula stories actually thought that Count Dracul was real and it wasn't just something that popped out of his imagination. Or it could be a very, very intelligent man who decided to fuse a lot of real world in fiction to make it, uh, you know, to make it sound super real, but it wasn't. Don't know. Maybe it was what do like you think? fan fiction. <laughs> fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. You would... Yeah. Fanfic of a guy you love. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Gosh. I think it's, it's, it's incredible. You know, that uh, this a kind of a thing, ha- you know, it makes you think of the Bible. Because mm. we all know that the, that the that the Catholic religion took a lot out of the Bible to make it suit many chapters. Yeah, many many chapters of many of which are coming to light even today in 2021 
um, via new Dead Sea Scrolls. So it's very, very interesting to see how much power an editor has over an author's work, and which is why it's so nice to know that in at least 2021, if you are self-published, you don't have to worry about somebody editing your work and people can love it for what it is. And this now leads me on to what the NFT. <laughs> See, I saw the, the notes and I was like, what is an NFT? Is, is it like an EFT? Okay, okay. Uh, There's been a lot of buzz recently about something called NFT. And it basically stands for non-fungible token. There's actually an excellent write-up about it on GameSpot, which we will link to by a South African media acquaintance that we know of uh, by the name of Alessandro Barbosa. And he, they, he actually has a really great podcast called Checkpoint Chat. So definitely check that out if you get a chance. And he did a really great write-up about what exactly a non-fungible token is. And as per usual, all the things that we do speak about will be linked below. So feel free to go and click on any of those links. Simply put, think of it as a means of securing your your rights to digital content in the digital age. So my understanding of a non-fungible token is it uses the Ethereum blockchain, all right, which we already know, you know, when it comes to cryptocurrencies, you know, every currency has its own ledger and everything can be traced on that ledger, which therefore makes it, you know, open source. And, you know, you know what I mean? It's more um, open versus being closed off like current financial institutions. Now, the difference between a non-fungible token versus actual currency and a digital currency is that all digital currency tokens are basically identical. That's why they can function as currency. Whereas a non-fungible token is exactly that. It's non-fungible, meaning that every single one issued is is 100% unique. So what has happened in this regard is that a lot of artists are turning towards issuing NFTs for their work. So think about it like this. Think about the person who created the Mona Lisa and and how, you know, you have the original artwork which sits in the Louvre and then you can go and buy a really great replica at like a souvenir store. Mm-hmm. The NFT in the sense would be the original work because yeah. that's, well, that's the original work. And then <laughs> duplicates would, would be obviously be of less value because they're duplicates of the original. So when it, where an NFT comes in is essentially it, it's, it issues a token for a piece of artwork that would then be the original version of the artwork. But unlike physical artworks, all right, the difference is that if you own a non-fungible token for, let's say, the digital version of the Mona Lisa, that artwork can still be reproduced digitally online without any difference. The only difference would be that you own the non-fungible token for the original, Mm. which therefore makes me wonder, what is the point? Because, look, here's a great example, right? Um, there There are a lot of, like many artworks have been sold for millions and millions of dollars at the moment. And one of the more interesting ones was, and I, I don't know the exact specifics, but it was basically Christie's in the UK. They sold um, an NFT, as far as I understand, for some digital image. And the funny thing is, you could just copy paste that digital paste. image that they tweeted <laughs> out from their account and have a copy for yourself. So why That's then? Funny. No, like, like why then pay millions and millions of pounds 
for a digital token to say that you own the original when when the exact digital duplicate oh. of what you've made you, you know do, do you get what, get my point do you get my point yeah i I, th- I think the idea is for original owners to claim um financial copyright it's not so that's the other very interesting th- thing about nfts they don't secure copyright it, there, there is actually no. But what's the point? Well, well, this is the thing. So, so my understanding from what I'm like looking into this is, is it's almost like an artificial sense of attributing value. So, you know, you might have two things, but because you have non fungible token for the one, the other one then just becomes a random duplicate, even if it's identical to the original. Can you prove it's the original and a duplicate? If, like if you if have you, the NFT, if I yes. Copy... So, so you. NFTs can are solely unique, right? But but no, but you are right. Multiple NFTs can be lodged against different things. Oh, and 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 this is the other thing that that I have to just speak about really quickly. Artists online are getting frustrated because people are issuing non-fungible tokens against their work <laughs> without them realizing it. <laughs> so you can just do this without filing any papers. You see, you see, the, this is this is the whole thing. So. I would have liked to have thought that an NFT would be issued by, let's say, the original owner of the work. Because yes. that owner issued it, you would then know that that, that that NFT that you've now bought is 100% legitimate and so on and so forth. Yeah. But given how there's no real way to actually go back, I mean, yes, you can go back to the ledger and trace the transactions and so on and so forth, but there's no governing body to do that. So... You could might issue an NFT and sell it to somebody for five billion, but somebody else might issue this an NFT to your work as well and sell it for five dollars. They still have an NFT of your work. <laughs> and so, so what's the point? So, it, it okay. So I'm going to go back and think about how I enjoy Pokemon cards, and I used to yeah. have some really spectacular cards back in the day. Now, because yeah. they're tangible and because they were no longer printed, their value increased. All right. Now, as we yeah. move into the digital age, we don't have a means of attributing value to things that can be so easily mass produced. So I believe that an NFT is a means of trying to attribute perceived value to digital content. That's my understanding. Okay. That's the way that I would look at it. Now, what gives it the value, on the other hand, assuming NFTs can just be created willy-nilly by anybody is up for debate. <laughs> See, that that's exactly what I'm wondering. So, it okay, so it creates perceived value, fine. But that value can just change by anyone. So Yes and no. So the thing is if you can trace back that your NFT comes from the original artist, it would inherently then be worth it would be worth more. But Okay. Just because, but other people can still lodge NFTs against other artists' work, and they're doing so. So then it becomes the whole thing of. But then, if you're not, you know, basically, in order to really make this something, I believe there needs to be some sort of consortium that that validates these things. Does that make sense? Yeah. So even if NFTs yeah. are lodged against a certain piece of artwork, but anyway, that's a topic for another day. Either way, it's just a very interesting look at where we're moving in the digital age, and this also applies to video games. So, video games have DLC. All right. Yep. But imagine now a video game with NFT, whereby something goes up on the video game store, but only one, let's say they only make 100. 
And each of these 100 items each have NFTs attached. So you buy one of these, you are one of 100. Even though, mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get at is, even though the item is digital, you would only be one of 100 people to own the NFT for your character in your game. Now, there's, uh, Alessandro did a really great job of talking about this and how it might be applied to um, you know, microtransactions in the future. And there was also an example of how there really is a game that uses NFTs as its core basis. And that is called CryptoKitties. Now, the way CryptoKitties works is, it, is it's a game built off the Ethereum blockchain. And what happens is, oh, is, so. is, I'm sure you've heard of it before, is yeah. every cat has its own genetic code on the blockchain. But when two cats breed, it creates a wholly unique token for that new breed. And what happens is, is that people with really rare, awesome breeds, digital breeds, have unique NFTs that cannot be duplicated. They then sell them for millions of dollars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's literally a Tamagotchi. Yes. Yes. Look, it's, it's really phenomenal. It's, 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 it's a very, very interesting topic. We will link to the article, which has a fantastic job of breaking it down in better detail if, if, if I haven't done so in my own way. Um, but Ed, but, is there anything else you want to say about this whole NFT thing? No, I was. I just wanted to ask: Can you attribute NFTs to physical things, to real life stuff? As like far clothing? as I know, no. I think it, my understanding is it's solely digital. So it wouldn't okay. be like like I could do an NFT to this iPhone, for example. And, and the reason for or that, like, the reason for that is because it's not necessary. You know, things in the real world don't need NFTs because. If you make something and you only make a hundred of them, that's it. Only a hundred exist. Well, well, the, the reason for my asking is because you get um, um, counterfeit goods. Like um, you get <laughs> everywhere counterfeit good, goods. Oh, I and hear you. Maybe I if hear you had you. an so, NFT scanner oh. app on your phone. Oh, you see, that's a really great real-world application. So you mean, like, yeah. for example. You're in the flea market and you see this Gucci with this pair of Gucci sneakers, right? Exactly. And you're like, are these legit? Imagine a Gucci certified app where you scan the barcode and that then checks it on the Gucci ledger for the authenticity. Yeah. Wow. That's, that is very interesting. I would imagine that is something that could possibly happen in the future. Yeah. That's mm. very, very, very interesting. Now, speaking of Gucci... <laughs> thank you Edward, for that wonderful <laughs> lead i i initially when i initially saw this i actually thought that gucci was branching into nfts turns out they're not but what gucci is doing mm. which is just absolutely ludicrous in its own right especially now that we've discussed nfts is they're selling an image of a digital shoe that will never be made for 12 dollars <laughs> is it an image it's just an, an image. actual image it's an image it's not even a real sneaker but gucci has them on their site for 12 dollars. so if you want to buy an image of a gucci sneaker you can go and spend your hard-earned money on it at the gucci store why you'd want to do that and not just pick an image from google and save it to your phone is another story entirely but again i guess this comes back to the argument we had with nft now you can say oh well i bought mine from gucci so mine's real <laughs> See, <laughs> see, I just saved this, so now I have this image. But did I just do so, piracy? So, so, so this is so, so this is the whole thing, right? Now, an NFT would 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 ensure that your purchased image is unique, even if somebody can go and take that exact identical image 
that has been identically cooked. Remember, in the digital space, you can copy stuff identically. It doesn't even have to be altered for you to copy it. It's just, it's, it's absolutely fascinating how this is, I, this is all working. In a way, I get this because obviously you can, in today's age, you can um, ask artists to make art for you, for your friends or whatever, and you pay them. But correct. anyone can still copy the image um, because correct, most of yes. the time these images are digital. This is pretty much that, I guess. <laughs> You, NFT or the Gucci just thing? The sneaker, <laughs> the Gucci thing now. Um, no, it, no, not even Ed. So they're selling you a digital image for twelve dollars, but there is no NFT attached, which means they're just selling you yeah, a, a fake ass digital image for twelve dollars. <laughs> but, but again, that, that's the same way as asking an artist to to paint a picture of my guild wars character for me no but no but um, oh i see what you mean no but the difference though the difference though is he's only selling it to you now if he took that character and put it on his store and then sold it to other people oh you see that that's then different you know yeah. because you, now in this sense these sneakers it's just a photo it's literally a digitized image of a pair of Gucci sneakers. Why you'd want to pay yeah, money for it? I don't some, know. But this is what I'm that's saying. That's scummy business ass shit. <laughs> you know, all you have to do okay. is, 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 is shake your head at it. Much like Intel bringing back the Mac versus PC debate. <laughs> Which is also a scummy ass shit. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, for those who aren't aware, years ago, Apple had this phenomenal campaign which pitted Apple Mac versus um intel pc and you know there was the pc guy and there was the mac guy and the mac guy was all you know cool and uh, cool looking he was he was a uh, portrayed by the actor justin long who's long since faded into obscurity and there was another guy who was the pc and those marketing campaigns were incredible because honestly back in the day i mean you can say what you want about apple and mac they've been they're phenomenal computers and they've always had much better designs and a lot of what's been available out there anyway We've all long since forgotten about it. And Apple has long moved into what is a PC even. If you followed the iPad uh, advertisements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's no, there's no surprise that Intel is now trying to forcefully tarnish Apple's image again because of the Apple M1 chip. The M1 chip is absolutely phenomenal. It blows everything out of the water. How Apple is doing it, people are still absolutely perplexed by but I suppose, you know, when you own your own ecosystem, which includes your own hardware and your own software, you can, you can do whatever you want. And that's where the strength lies in, well, Apple's entire product lineup. So what's happened okay. is Intel went and hired Justin Long to reprise his role as the Mac guy, but now to throw shade at Apple and their M1 chip. Which is just very sad. That's, that is very <laughs> back it's a desperate back move. early practice that's what that because is because you you have to ask the why like why did justin long accept this this, this i'm so glad you said that because i was just like he's obviously he maybe he needs the money i don't know i'm maybe. just like i'm just like why would you burn your relationships with one of the most profitable companies in the world to back an advert for a company, and Intel is the company I'm talking about here, who literally hasn't innovated in the last five years and is being overtaken by their biggest competitor, AMD, and now Apple with their own chips. Like, what are you doing with your life that you make that kind of decision? <laughs> yeah. 
Gosh. I would imagine it's financial. I guess a paycheck's a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Because, like, why? Why would... I mean, excuse me, there ain't no way I would burn bridges with Apple. Okay, if, if I was Justin Long and I was the Mac guy and Apple had initially hired me, there ain't no way, no way that I would go against a trillion-dollar company. <laughs> What are the chances he's getting like free iPhones every year and now he's burned that? Look, in in many respects, the ad doesn't, um, he doesn't say anything negative against Apple, but it's implied. Much like the previous adverts. I, I don't know. I just, the whole thing just screams of desperation. It's very clear Intel have nothing better to do than to trash the competition. And the funny part is it's backfiring because everybody knows. Everybody's looking at this advert and being like, you know what, this is actually in poor taste because y'all chips be shit. <laughs> so that's the worst thing, especially if you use something as prominent as this. Like, ooh, now the the Mac, I'm a Mac guy is back talking Macs. Like, everyone's gonna go like, no, you just said they were good. So what's going on now? Exactly. Are you just flipping switches? Exactly. And that's just a bad. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, practice. look. In fairness, they were years ago, but honestly, it's just. The truth of the matter is, Intel is scared. And what do companies do when they're scared? They try to trash the competition. Because you'll note that the only companies that ever trash Apple are those that are directly competing with them. And you know, copying them. Samsung and Huawei, for example, are prime examples of companies that always copy Apple in almost everything that they do and seldom succeed in doing it as well as Apple, and always have something negative to say about Apple devices. Whereas Apple just yep. don't care. They're just like, you can say whatever you like. We're going to do, we're going to beat to our own drum. And everybody's like, yeah, I like that. I prefer that. Yep. I don't need somebody That's to brilliant. diss another company for me to like your product. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why they that that's why Apple did away with the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ads in the first place. Yes. Because they moved into a more we don't need to do these comparisons. Yeah, there's stuff. no need. We we literally just stand around. Hold own. on. The other thing about it as well, though, I suppose maybe this is where it's a little bit more nuanced, right? When Apple said a Mac is better than a PC, they didn't target any particular company. So at the time, Microsoft took the brunt of it because obviously Windows is only available on normal Intel-based machines. But at the time, Apple had Intel-based Macs. So, you know, it wasn't pointed at anybody. It was just trying to give you the benefits of the Apple ecosystem. These new ads, however, are directly, are directly pinpointing Intel as being superior to what Apple is offering when that is clearly not the case. I will, I will take my MacBook, my, an M1 MacBook with one USB sort and the dongle life over any Windows machine, any sorry, any Intel machine that you throw at me. Okay. Thank yep. you. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> yeah. Ed, the next one that I'm going to talk about is yeah. very interesting and it's right up your alley. So I don't yep. have any tattoos. Edward, yep. on the other hand, is a bit of a tattoo fiend. He enjoys them. I have a few. Often has them. For those of you who are watching, Edward, please flash your Spider-Man tattoo which is really great, by the way. Uh, For those of you who are listening, one, it's a wonderful it's un- caricature of, which, which Spider-Man again? Is it 2077? Scarlet Spider-Man. Scarlet. This, there we go, the Scarlet Spider-Man. Look at that, it's great. Now, I'm bringing, uh, I want to speak about this for a second because 
generally my understanding of tattoos and Edward, by all means, step in here since you've actually been tattooed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is you've, namely you go to somebody you trust because you want the artwork to actually look good. You need to go to somebody who's talented. And mm-hmm. B, there's very much an art to it whereby, you know, the person who's coloring it in has to be aware of your skin and where to go deep and where to go light and so on and so forth. Yes, for sure. Now, um, um, is, Ed, I want to propose a question to you. Uh-huh. If given the option, would you let a robot tattoo you? If I can see its profile first. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I, I won't be the first guy to get tattooed, no. <laughs> okay, uh, okay so, so you would only trust the robot if it had already previously done work? Yes. Why? That's actually a curious question. Why? Be- because going to to a tattoo artist is is, or rather, going to a new artist is a mixture of a few things. You need to to know that they can draw, or that they at least have an idea of how color and <laughs> ink mix. Okay. Um, and then secondly, they have to have an idea of how the mu- muscular, um. The muscular structure of of what whatever body part you're tattooing works. So if oh, I'm going fair. to get yeah, a if if I'm going to get um a uh, a line tattoo, for instance, you can't just make a straight line over the arm and expect it to be straight after you're done with the tattoo because that's not how muscles work. Um, so in other words, if if I go to this robot, well, I know that he will be stretching my arm. In the so, way that needs to be stretched. What so I find most interesting about your analyses of the situation is how much of a human element you've assigned to this robot. Yeah, I guess <laughs> because, so. Because it's a robot. It's not human. Yeah. So therefore, yeah. it isn't. I mean, not that it isn't incapable of mistakes. What I, what I mean is it shouldn't have the limitations a human has I does guess. that make sense That's true yeah yeah all right yeah, yeah. okay now the this whole thing that that i've that i've looked at and, and that we we've both found it has to do with actually a really interesting and fantastic advertising campaign a marketing campaign and part of what you said is actually accurate ed so this robot does the tattoo but it's being controlled by a real tattoo artist. So it's not like it's just uh, a robot that was given a script and then it has to, you know, write, I mean, it has to tattoo you, all right? Um, Essentially, it has to do with um, T-Mobile in the Netherlands. And what they did is is they got a very talented tattoo artist to remotely using 5G technology, which we've spoken about in season one. It's perfectly natural and normal. Can't do anything to you. Uh, <laughs> how they're using 5G technology, cellular technology, to remotely control a robot to tattoo, I think it was some um, some Scandinavian celebrity. And it's very much using the kind of tech that surgeons use. You know how some surgeons can remotely, like across the world, actually operate on people, you know, using the, yeah. the thing. So it, it uses that whereby... The arm is controlled by a tattoo artist in another point of the country. And their whole thing was how 5G cellular communication is so fast, so accurate, has such minimal latency that you can be tattooed by a robot thousands of kilometers away and it all works out. 
So it's that's just good. I, I just thought it was I thought it was an incredibly incredibly interesting thing, and that's why I asked you would you be would you be tattooed by a robot? And I actually loved your response because it's it, you assigned human value and attributes to what really should be a cold piece of mechanical plastic uh, or, or, or mm. metal or hardware or hardware. Yeah. However, you were also right in that regard because in this sense, it wasn't just like a program and an arm and then it tattoos you. It was literally yeah. a tattoo artist hundreds of kilometers away who was who was tattooing and then the arm through his controls would tattoo the other person. And See, it, 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 I dig this a lot. It reminds me a lot of the robot haircut uh, the haircut robot we talked about oh, yes. just when yes. just when lockdown started. <laughs> um, uh, the, that guy made a version too, by the way. Um, I visited his channel just the other day. And? Um, I did not watch the video. I just saw it made a version too. Wow. Um, but yeah, it reminds me a lot of that, but that's obviously autonomous, whereas this is controlled, as you said. Yes, correct. Yeah, um, the, the, knowing that's it's, awesome. Wow, yeah. Knowing the robot is controlled, I might do so. It. Oh, so that that because you see, now again, you see now, now this is something. Yeah. This is now an interesting debate for a future point in time, whereby hmm. you know we have previously discussed the ethical boundaries of AI. You yeah. know, and and you know, it, I just I just I love the fact that you wanted to give it a human component to it, but at the same time you were mistrustful because there wasn't a human component. <laughs> yeah you see yeah. I, I, I find that that, I find that sounds so bad <laughs> you know because because like i'm somebody who's polite to my digital assistants not because i think they're gonna you know follow xylitol one day in the future and you know eradicate us but more so just because i'm polite nice. so you know <laughs> yeah and she's always it's just listening to be somebody polite. help <laughs> that's the issue <laughs> we're surrounded by these devices now with uh, some really awesome advances in technology on the mind, something else that um, we picked up on, and this, this, you know, everything always relates to everything else. Like, we've spoken about chimeras and genetics, and, and Edward was, did a fantastic job of throwing in some dinosaur stuff just the other week, um, you know, especially with Godzilla versus Kong coming up. So, of course, all of this is now on the mind. I, you know, we came across this uh, article that was recently published in the Nature Journal. And it comes from a team of researchers at the Wiseman Institute of Science in Israel. And what they've done, and this is truly an accomplishment, is they've created an artificial uterus. Now, it's still very much in its early stages, and it's been about five to eight years already of continuous research. But what they've been able to do is allow mouse embryos to gestate to at least halfway of the necessary amount of time needed for them to gestate in full and to be birthed. And wow. this is incredible because not only, okay, you know, you, you, you all know I'm immediately jumping to dinosaurs and stuff, right? You, you just, you got to know. <laughs> <laughs> that's immediately where uh, That's always, that's just always where I am, all right? But imagine now, you know, if we have to look at from a human perspective, imagine same-sex couples, for example, being able to have children this way, or even people who just can't have children naturally having children this way, or any number of reasons. Maybe you are carrying or you're with child and you start, you develop a cancer. Now, instead of choosing between your cancer and your child, you can remove the child from the womb and let them grow out of the womb. I, I, I think it's ex vitro. I'm not sure. Anyway, 
Yeah, it's actually true. So it's just an absolutely incredible advancement. From what I understand about the research right now is that the reason they have reached a bit of a, um, a stopping point, and that is because right now they've the the embryos have been able to be nourished solely using the special um, like nourishing liquid fluid thing, and then the embryo is is in the sac, and the sac gets turned so the embryo doesn't attach. It's absolutely incredible. We'll link to it. So you can actually read about it. Anyway. The the current wall that they've they've breached is that or reached is whereby that fluid is no longer enough to sustain the embryo's growth, whereby they now need to somehow um, learn how to create an artificial umbilical cord because that's actually stopping it from moving on to the next the next section. Isn't that isn't that fascinating? Isn't that incredible? The, hey, the thing is, all of this. Um, <laughs> Once the umbilical cord is made, I'm getting their stranding right. And then well, you've got the baby there, don't you, in the background? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I do have the baby. So that's immediately giving me death stranding vibes. And then I'm thinking, but this means it can lead to actual robots, but with like oh, with a human core, with like human elements well, inside I mean, them. Look, look. So I. I Ooh, you know what? You know what? You actually could be right because I would imagine that the artificial umbilical cord would need to be controlled by something. Yeah, it'll need to be and fed. Then, and that would okay, but now it might not be an intelligent connection. Do you know what I mean? We'd like to assume oh, it would be an intelligent connection first. so that it's so that it can it can monitor the vitals and the nourishment and so on and so forth. But it could also yeah. just be a dumb connection. Does that make sense? However, yeah, yeah, just like, however, if it's an intelligent connection where maybe the nerves and things are connecting to bioprocesses, then yes, now you're talking about that link between organic matter and robotics. Ooh, that's a very, very exciting. Of course, that's, that's some Terminator shit. You know, I'm back <laughs> on dinosaurs and Pokemon. So, I mean, <laughs> you're all like Death Stranding vibes. And I'm like, can we just please gestate a Velociraptor? I just want one. I just want to see or one. Or a Mewtwo. Let's make a Mewtwo. Or a Mewtwo, yes. Now, now, with Pokemon, Ed, Ed found this incredible yes. this incredible thing about actual, an actual real-life Pikachu. And not just uh, yeah, from uh, the digital CGI one from the film. An actual Pikachu. <laughs> so... Um, to my detriment, I guess, I haven't seen the new Pokemon movie yet. Uh, Detective Pikachu. Real life one it's with... decent. Yes, it's decent. I haven't seen that one yet. So, But I have been looking at trailers for it because the missus <laughs> and I have been planning a date night. Which, by um, the way, now is when, when Edward new, is going to movie. be watching yes. the, the Zelda Snyder Cut. But anyway. So so I won't even be watching Detective Pikachu <laughs> then. Anyway. Uh, Edward, you um, do know we're all still waiting for those two Russian movies, right? Yes, I uh, know. I promised within the month, and it's coming. Guess okay. what? Next week. Okay. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, One year anyways, later. In so uh, <laughs> eternity later. <laughs> I, 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 so I watched a few trailers, and I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, and I found, like, this was all marketing hype for Detective Pikachu. Uh, oh. Film. So take this with a little grain of salt. So it's not but real? I did the story's find, not real? No, I I think it's real, but it I couldn't real find to me. more about it. <laughs> I think it's very, very real. Okay. I just couldn't find more info about it. That's that's what I mean. An actual real-life Pikachu. Well, 
air quotes. So Real yeah, life. in quotes. It's 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 a Pikachu. It's called a Pikachu. It's dubbed a Pikachu. It looks like a Pikachu. But it's actually sort of. a it's a little possum. Yep. <laughs> um Yeah, an Australian possum. A golden I forgot the full name. No, a golden they, they, possum. They, they, it's yeah, they, they, they've that. called it a golden possum because it, it apparently some genetic mutation caused its hair to go like a yeah, the really melanin, nice yellowish the gold, right? Hey? Yeah, it's 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 literally just a genetic mutation. Yeah. Um Which in the same way that melanin get albino rhinos colors. and albi- yes, albino yes. other things. Yes. Spot on. Um, can it shoot so, electricity yeah. in? I mean, I know we're talking about this mutation. No, unfortunately <laughs> not. It can't be weaponized. Oh, um, it doesn't you know, you know have what? any weaponized we, we, abilities. We say that. We say that. But we've spoken about chimeras. Now we have artificial uteruses. So I'm uh, seeing maybe extended long hair golden possum that uses static electricity to shoot electric bolts. Listen, my only <laughs> issue with this entire thing is that he doesn't have little dark spots on his ears. Oh, um, it's not. Because, it can't be Pikachu then. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, what's the what's the baby version of Pikachu? Pichu. The Minachu. Oh, Minim. Minim or whatever. Yeah, it's basically that. It looks more like that than actual uh, Pikachu. But I guess how real can you? Go, well, I mean, Pikachu is meant to be a rodent. So I guess if you're going to be attributing yeah. an animal to what a real Pikachu would look like, I guess a, a, this golden possum is not a is not a bad. Yeah, I mean it's 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 yeah. kind of there, and that wasn't the only yeah, so, p- p- Pokemon discovery you found. No, no. So <laughs> I also find, and also in Australia. So these people love um, beetles. Oh, Australia. Uh, love Pokemon. I guess love I'm Australia. getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Thank you to Australian uh, listeners. This is for y'all. <laughs> yeah, we have a few of y'all. Um, I found the most interesting little post reminding me because I have read this in the past long ago. That beetles, there there are three beetles in Australia that are named well, I after... mean, there are many beetles in Australia, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> no, there are three beetles in Australia that are named after the three legendary Pokemon. birds. Ooh. The original three legendary that's, birds. That's cool. That's really cool. Now, why they're named after the birds, I have no idea. Um, that's... Oh, I know why. One. I know why. Why? So, why? so okay. Edward... <laughs> This is something that I'm actually really, really glad to be speaking about. So, what is yeah. the reason why these beetles were named after the three legendary Pokemon is because the scientist that helped find it is a Pokemon fan. That's but literally that's literally no, but that's literally the big thing. And then it turned out that um, you know, the, the actual name is the the Binburum. That's what the the beetle is yes. called. But because the beetle has three individual looks, he then attributed them to the three legendary birds as it's a nice play on it because he's a fan of Pokemon. Yeah, so, so and, basically it's... But but the cool thing about that is is the reason why things like this are happening now is because people of our generation are finally in roles where we can make a difference in the world. But... <laughs> But my point is... Okay, so so for context, the, the three beetles are called the Binburum, Articuno, Binburum, Moltres, and Binburum, Lush. Zapdos. Lush. Um, Lush. It's mega Lush. <laughs> the, the issue with, with that is, why aren't they Regirock and Registeel and Regi-Ice? Exactly. They're burrowing. They're in the earth. Oh, look, they I aren't know. flying. I think 
maybe in may- the air. Maybe or let's go. Let's go with it like this, right? So yeah. they're named after birds that would eat them. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe the the Bunburum Articuno is Articuno's favorite. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe. I'll I'll give you that one. Um, it's just it looks cool. Memes. Yeah. It's, it, now before before we move on some more, um, the cool thing about it is, or, or more so, that these are not the only things that have actually been named after Pokemon. So it also no. turns out that um, scientists actually named a real life um, flying dinosaur Fossil. as the Aerodactylus, which is off named after Aerodactyl from Pokemon. So I dig it. Y'all Pokemon fans, Pokemon fans who are finally in the world to make a difference, you keep going strong. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, eventually we'll have all the weird names. Uh, I'm I'm seeing Naruto-based animals <laughs> in the future. Like, like, it'll be like the, the Sasuke beetle. And it'll have yeah, like, a, you know, like the, the marking what on I his think. eye. <laughs> yeah, the, the little yes. um, dark eye or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And now, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, we the, the very next topic is all about delayed ejaculation. And let me tell you, I'll yeah, about all of that Pokemon. <laughs> See, that's weird, but I don't judge. Um, <laughs> honestly, I have no way to lead into this from Pokemon other than the fact that, yeah. Some of us might get a little semi after speaking. Hello, and my name is Hans, and <laughs> and I get semis about Pokemon. Um, oh no, but fair, no, but wait, not... not not in a Rule Thirty Four way, okay? No, no. Well, how that, else? No. That, that's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing is, that's not the the weirdest thing I've ever heard. So you're still good, Hans. Okay, thank uh, you. Thank you very much. Yeah, there are weird shit out there. <laughs> yes, I um, know. I, I Well, from just the other day, what oh, I forgot what it was, but I sent you the link and I was like, it was, what was it? It was some hentai? Remember, I was looking at something else and then all of a sudden there was a uh, link. Was, you sent me a link to a Reddit, su- a subreddit full of hentai. But what was it for again? Um, I think it was tentacle. Oh, Portal, that's it. So... Um, there was there was this meme where it was like, what would you use yeah. the portal from Valve's portal for? And so there's this guy and that does... And you said... That <laughs> uh, you said, and I quote, I would do this. Um, yes, um, if I honestly. could have a portal to self-suck myself, you can get... You can bet, I would do it. Duh. <laughs> okay, to be fair... I Don't think lie, y'all would. know you'd do it as um, well. Okay, so anyway, so I saw that. And then naturally, because this is the wonder of the internet, Somebody linked down below to hentai based on the portals from Valve. Portal, yeah. And I was like, how is this? <laughs> I was not surprised Valve. that this even existed. <laughs> All right. Listen, okay. hey, what sorry. is rule 34? Uh, I know, I know, I know we're getting like way, way, way off topic here. So like, let's just get back to your like delayed ejaculation. But you see, you see, the thing is, okay, so... if, if you were self doing yourself, you could also delay the ejaculation. Yeah. So imagine you're you're getting your rockers off, okay? You're watching this yes, valve through a portal, and it's wonderful. Hentai, yes. And oh, you're 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 you have the <laughs> lotion, and you have your tissues with you, and you're going, and you're going, and it's just never happening. Like you're trying to peak, and you're trying to to orgasm, 
and nothing is happening. That is called delayed ejaculation. So yeah, but does it happen eventually be, though? Maybe, sometimes, sometimes okay, not. Because it, it depends because... on the, the victim, I guess. The, oh shame, the victim. That's terrible to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when I saw your title and I didn't read much further, I thought to myself, Yeah. Was this maybe the kind of thing where like let's say you you're in the mood and you go and you're doing whatever you need to do and then you don't you don't get there, so you leave it. And then like thirty minutes later it's like Ugh. <laughs> oh, like you're in the kitchen making your yes, your like you're, you're just you're smoking a outside, and, and suddenly... all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the, no, well, that's what I like thought that. when I saw that, and I was like, oh my like, god, like a lagged ejaculation, <laughs> yes, like, yes, like exactly, thank you, baby, exactly. and then you go outside, and gosh, I could just imagine how maybe that's a thing as well. I'll do some research. So, so essentially, um, as you're going, it just never happens, and. Maybe it might come later. Might maybe it might not. Uh, whether you're yeah, but in the same session, though. Yes. So not like what. I, no, no, it's not, not what I initially thought. Um, it's it's not. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe. It's just I just find it's a weird naming convention. That yeah. I say delayed when it just doesn't happen. Well, it's because it doesn't happen when it should. I guess is it's literally the opposite of some forms of ED. I suppose. Um, well, this is the thing. Like, so erectile dysfunction is about your 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 erection not functioning. There's yes, more, it's dysfunctioning. Yeah, so this is functioning too well. You know, in a sense, <laughs> um, not exactly, but in a no, sense. No, well, I mean, anyway. So, so mostly the condition with it is an actual disorder. It's a condition. Um, it's known to be temporary. Um, many adults go through this once or twice in their lives without even realizing. Um, it could be. They could be just thinking this person is not doing it for them or their current session isn't all that it's meant out to be. Okay, is um, this always with a partner though? Not always, no. It, it could be any time you, you're meant to ejaculate. Um, so it could be while you're alone. It could be... Because the thing is, I'm I'm wondering if what if people confuse it for... Oh, they think, oh, I have delayed ejaculation. But what if you just weren't horny enough? That's the thing. Many... I think, um, or and at least the the research that I found, um, is all about people thinking, or people that didn't know they had it, or people thinking they weren't horny enough. They they weren't um, that whatever they were doing it just wasn't right for them at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yes, actually, it it I found out that many many adults go through this. Many normal adults go through this once or twice in their lives, but. There are some people who actually sit with this for the rest of their lives. And they, and they just never get it? Yeah. Um, sometimes never, sometimes entire half hours later, entire hours later. Um, no wonder you're saying they're victims. Yeah, I call it victims, victims because this is bad. Um, no pleasure. <laughs> essentially. Well, it's pleasure. They're getting the pleasure. They're okay. Just, but hold on, hold on. But you see, now this is interesting now. So yeah. we're talking about this, but this is a, from a male perspective. Yes. Or is this female as well? Um, I couldn't find anything that spoke about females. Yeah, that's because most of the time ladies don't get anyway. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is... <laughs> uh, that. That's the big thing. And also we'll be speaking more about lady pleasure in the next topic. But ah. yeah. So, so what I found is essentially that... Um, it's not so much a thing about the mind as it is a thing 
Or, or no, 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 sorry, it is a thing about the mind. Um, but no one knows how to treat this. Um, and th- the, the delayed ejaculation? ejaculation. Yes. So, so what? Hmm. Re- uh, what the research researchers say bring it on it could be anything from from childhood a trauma to again just your current situation stress but, okay but now these are people who have consecutively tried i imagine yes for, for extended periods of time so that's not just like a couple of days in a week you're not getting your rocks off this is like a month two months and now you're starting to worry well, yeah, yeah. Um, essentially, the, the the only diagnoses that usually come from this are from men who are frustrated because they can't get get, get their orgasms going. <laughs> so, um, so that's like that's even worse because I assume that you might already be stressed and frustrated, yes. and then you're even more stressed and frustrated, yes. and then that just adds to the stress and frustration. <laughs> exactly. Like imagine you're you're enjoying yourself having sex or whatever, and um, you're just never orgasming. And then you get tired and you get frustrated that it doesn't happen. And let's say you're doing it alone. You're you're masturbating. Your your arms mm-hmm. are getting tired, and your your PP is going limp because you're so tired and and distressed now that it just never happens. And then you go to the doctor, and that's when you get diagnosed. Now the issue oh, with the diagnosis is that there is no way of treating it. The the only thing they used to treat it is the usual um, medication for um, for uh, de-stressing like depression and depression. And mm. um, I, I specifically made note of, of three medications, uh, which is Parkinson's medication, um, amantadine, anxiety drugs, which is buspirone, that's, that's the main anxiety drug, and cifrofetidine, which is an allergy drug. That's what doctors wow. usually prescribe for this. And sometimes they have results. Most of the time they have not. Um, or they do not have, rather. And it's actually a very, very sad thing. Um, well, I mean, it's not nice. But again, you know, you see, I'm wondering, I'm not saying this is not legitimate. I'm not saying this is not real. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would imagine it's not just for the odd where you can't do it. This yes. would have to be for... A prolonged period of time where yeah. you actually now genuinely realize, okay, this is a problem. Yes. Um, well, as you I know? said, it's, it's for many adults, it's temporary. You and yeah. I likely already experienced this in our lives uh, once or twice before. And we, yeah. we yeah. didn't think anything of this. No, but, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, you know, everyone, you go through different moods. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're with a partner, you're not with a partner. Maybe one day you're. You, like, you'll have like three weeks where like you're on heat like the whole day yeah and just, you just like have to go and do five times you have to do day. multiple times a day if you need to. Yeah. yeah exactly and then maybe there'll be other times where it'll be like a month where you just don't care yep it's that's natural yes you know it's not nothing to do with oh now you're not well or now you're you know you know what i mean exactly so uh interesting ed yeah but again not what i thought it was. no it's it's definitely not what i thought um now, now, one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up um, is it's obviously a thing and it's obviously not in many males, or at least what we know of the research is not too broad mm. about this. Um, it's, an, it's an actual diagnosis, though. It's an actual condition, but the research isn't there to, to give us yes, enough yes. stats. Anyway, I'm digressing. Yes. The, the big reason I brought this up is because it, it, it kind of does away with that stigma with with that cliche that the man is always just the one and done gender 
um, uh, just the one that this can... The, the last time you did this yeah. and you subverted expectations was when you mentioned the whole sleeping, the turning over and sleeping. Yes. Where it actually turned out that it was a lot of uh, ladies yeah. did it, where the, well, the no, stereotype is that it's men. Yeah, so so it, it just made me thinking about that. Like, is the stereotype... Obviously, stereotypes come from a place of, of facts. I think, um, look, I, yeah, I would say it's a bit different in this regard because I do think that mm. women and, you know, the vagina requires a lot more of the right kind of stimulation yes. to really, you know, be effective in achieving orgasm, which is very different to a guy. A guy is simple. There's not much going there. Yeah. Rub the head a bit and hey, you just tug a bit time. and it explodes, you know. Um, yeah, or it doesn't much, if you have much. this disorder. Sadly, well, um, <laughs> for women though, um, I want to speak about something else. And oh, I see our favorite our person favorite is back. person is back. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> uh, Gwyneth's back, baby. Um, oh yes, what what does she have for us today? Okay, so other than her her bergamot infused vagina what candles. else what else does this wonderful woman have for us now so new on the block is the goop <laughs> vibrator now vibrator a boob vibrator goop oh goop oh goop goop yes yes the, the company so this is their first sex toy and it's supposedly oh. one of you know what many that's coming. actually surprising to me it is actually is hey? it yeah yeah, I, I thought, thought they would have had many by now. Exactly. So, and this is and this is coming off the back of uh, Victoria Beckham because she's also entered into oh, this yes. kind of market. Like last year already, just at the beginning yes. of of COVID, she went into sex toys. Because you see, this makes a lot of sense with all the lockdowns we've been having. Yeah, yeah, smart. This very, very smart. smart. Very, very smart. Now, the thing is about this sex toy and about oh Goop in gosh. general. Again, as always. <laughs> Uh, okay, so so as we know, Goop is a bit ostentatious. Um, yeah, they're they're a bit out there and w- kooky with their ideas. Now, this one comes from a place of of she wants to help. Okay, um, I will say that much. She wants to do I see what that. is right by she women. wants to she wants to make it something that is more accepted. And doesn't look like a vibrator. But the thing is, it does. It looks like two vibrators. <laughs> I haven't seen a photo. Um, okay, so <laughs> if you just tap on. on that link, gonna... you'll, you'll immediately see the photo. <laughs> um, it literally looks like a fusion of two vibrators. So the idea behind no, this... Well, I mean, it, for, for those of you who are listening, the bottom bit looks a bit like a carrot, but a white carrot yeah. with three nodules on the top, which are covered. Then it's got like a gold band and then like a pink ball on the top. So it kind of looks like, it kind of looks like a makeup thing, maybe. But it, I nah. mean, or, or even like one of those weird massages. No, nah. I guess it technically is. To me, it looks like two air, <laughs> big air sex toys. I've seen both of these uh, in action many times. Look, so. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> it, look, it, it, it does look a little bit more nondescript. Let, let's go with that. Let's go with that. What would but you I mean, if that was lying on your table, okay. on your bedside, there wouldn't be any questions as to what it 
exactly like, for those for those of you who are watching the video you'll know that if this thing that i'm holding up you know what this is there's no question as to what this is this is <laughs> this does not look like a vibrator no it does, <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> and for those of you who are listening it's a massage gun it's my nose amazing, keeps itching by the way um so so <laughs> literally uh, she said and i quote create she wants to create a vibrator that would not look embarrassing on a nightstand Okay, fine, whatever. To me, it still looks like a sex toy, but you wouldn't be embarrassed to have it there. Okay, it cool. looks like ice cream. Now, like electronic ice cream. Now, as we already covered, it 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 has two ends. The first one is the normal inserting vibrator end, and the second one is the that's top. the carrot part that I was describing. Yes, and then the soft <laughs> ball part is the normal one, which you use to stimulate your it's pink and fleshy. Um, oh. And it has a total of 64 vibrational settings. Now, I don't know what settings you would have otherwise, but okay. Well, my massage gun only has 30, so whatever. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, Hans, ex- please explain to me, Hans, what those different settings are because I don't get it. It just goes from less of a vibration to more of an intense vibration. That's really it. 30 times. So though. let's say what one would have the ball like you know pumping against whatever body part you're putting on at a certain a certain frequency and then the higher it goes the faster that goes and the way that that works on like muscles for example with the massage gun that I have is the higher the number the more intense the vibration which therefore means the more you're pummeling that muscle into submission <laughs> okay okay so or vagina whatever you so use so you it can for. do that 30 <laughs> times this thing can do it 64 yes. times well, you know what? I, I, let me tell you, I'm a big fan of level 30 with my massage gun, which everybody else in the house that's thinks a, is too the high. Fast one, uh, right? that's so, the fast one. No, it does. It's like, ah. it's like imagine tenderizing meat. Oh, you know, like the, the higher the vibration. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, we're digressing. So one of the reasons for doing this, uh, according to Gwyneth Paltrow, is that vibrators look hypersexualized. Okay, fine. They do. To be fair, secondly, she she added that they are either phallic, or they look like something you would buy in a sex shop. Now, well, duh, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, but how is that even look, a, a look, bullet look, point it's, it, in selling? It looks thing? a lot better than the others. She's not wrong, but it still looks like one. So that's literally just her so. judging sex shops and normal sex toys. <laughs> Because now she's saying, "Oh, that looks like skibby. That looks like something you wouldn't." No, it's just it's more along the lines of, "Do you want the apple, the apple of devices to give you an orgasm, or this ginormous looking cock on your bedside table?" Because those are your options at the moment. (laughs) No, you still get the normal one with the soft ball as well, which literally just is this. Gosh, Edward. Anyway. Anyway. Um, speaking. So okay, now for those who don't know, there's actually a difference between a vibrator and a dildo. Yes. We've been speaking about a vibrator at the moment, but a dildo is actually something that doesn't vibrate. It's just normally like a single piece of silicon or metal yeah. or something. It's like it's like one single thing. Well, Edward has tips on how to make your vibrator feel new again. <laughs> Other than just charging the battery, right? Because <laughs> like for me, that would be like number one. <laughs> yeah, like if it goes slow, maybe it's, maybe just change the just battery. Just put another battery it. in or, or charge it. Plug it into you know? a USB-C adapter or something. Yeah, so... Um, many women actually, um, and I did some Googling and some Redditing because Reddit is a treasure trove of these kinds of 
complaints. Always. Uh, many women, <laughs> many, many women, at, at least what I assume to be women, um, or people that use vibrators. Anyone who identifies as um, a female gender. They yeah. complain about their vibrators losing their potency. So I, yes. I actually I'm actually this. I'm actually curious that this is the first time you've heard of that. Yeah, no, it, it is the very first time I've heard of it. But I've actually had girlfriends talk to me about it. Yeah. And why, um, I remember one of them told me that she wouldn't, not wouldn't allow, but she would only advise her daughter get one at much later on in life. Because once you get used to that kind of simulation, mm. you kind of, you crave it. And it's almost like you, 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 you need to have that. Otherwise you don't reach your O. See, maybe. Whether or not she's correct or not is another story, but. She, she, she could be very correct. I don't know about the, the the suggest about getting it later part but it she could be very very true um especially well you know what L- let me let me offer some some advice yeah all right or, or rather let me offer a personal experience because this is what this podcast is about right yeah. so i am a user of a flashlight i have been for over a decade i think they're fantastic sex toys for men and i believe everybody should have one and i can honestly admit that yes because I'm used to it, the old slapstick hand just doesn't really do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I would imagine it's more that. It's more you kind of get used to a particular sensation when you are ready to climax or on your way towards climaxing. And if you don't have that, it makes it a little bit more difficult to get there, I would say. Then, then again, of course, having said that, like if you, if 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 you don't use your toy for some period of time, trust me, your body goes back to normal and then any kind of simulation gets you there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like anything. Um, if you go two, two weeks without it, you're re- rehabilitated. Um, <laughs> you're a born-again virgin, yeah. Yeah, and you can you can use that <laughs> flashlight like you've never done before. Uh, put some lube in there and, and have at it on, on setting 30 or whatever. Um, so <laughs> no, they don't buy them, right? anyway <laughs> well not all of them do well there is one you can get with, not with, that great who uses air or whatever um <laughs> oh yes that one yeah. ah, i forgot about that uh, that was somewhere in season one we discussed that yeah. all right anyway anyway getting back to making yes. your vibrators new again <laughs> so so it turns out that according to many many um, professionals uh it might not be all about the vibrator it's more about you and that your state of mind uh, that includes state of mind state of body essentially what you do while you are in the act of of pleasuring yourself i mean is that kind of obvious uh, it, it is kind I mean, of obvious but going by the amount of complaints i've seen i think <laughs> it is not as obvious um so i came uh, i found this awesome post um, where they, they asked this a sexologist. I keep forgetting that's a thing, but apparently it is. Sexologist Fantastic. Caitlin V, um, who is a, a resident at the sexual health company Royal, which is an amazing name, by the way. Okay. Um, yes, it is. Many other people tried to use that name and failed. <clears throat> um, <laughs> who said that literally... The, the the sensation of becoming numb um when when 
which is the, the biggest complaint. Uh, many women would, would use their vibrators. They, they would try to stimulate the clitoris. See, and they would That complain. would happen at too high a vibration. I guess, or or just getting that used would. to it. Um, that's insane. No, you know, you see, what would happen is you keep going up the levels. Yeah, like <laughs> intense. Do it more and more and harder, better, faster. Oh, I already missed off bunk. Um, they would become numb and they would complain about it, and the numbness would stem from, according to Caitlin or Mrs. V, which is an amazing surname. Mm. I don't think that's the full surname. Um, <laughs> Mrs. V says that it's it's all about getting used to it. it it's it's the way you you sit, the way you do, the when you do it, how you do it. All of those factors play into how fast your clitoris and your state basically, of mind get used to all. Play of some this. good music, light a candle, yeah, dim the lights, trust your body. Yeah, just just be know sensual. What you need. <laughs> but if you always do this, maybe it's time to to change it up. Go at it hard. Put some heavy metal on. You know, actually, um, uh, uh, this is this is going to be so bad. But I remember reading this um, green text. For those of you who um, follow Reddit, you'll know that green text is basically from 4chan, whereby people go in and they write stuff on there. And so this guy was talking about how. Um, and this is just, it just, it just occurred to me now while we're, we're talking about this, cause you're talking about, you know, making, getting used to things and that. So this guy was talking about how, um, you know, he, uh, he lived with people or whatever. And he just figured that, you know, every morning when he, when he goes for his poop, he would rub one out. Um, and he did this for a, a good amount of time. And then, um, the one day I think school was starting again or university or, or work or something like that. And he went outside and accidentally slipped in some poop and got an erection because <laughs> his body had associated wow, the smell. Uh, that smell with which is really weird in its own right. And I, yeah, <laughs> but like you know, that's what the body does. That's that's you know? super weird. So um yeah, maybe maybe not make your your, your room too don't go too much effort because like you kind of want to be as minimal as possible. Cause if you have to now put on like this particular song by Celine Dion and you have to burn this one particular candle to get off, you're going to have problems. <laughs> Especially during the act when, when you go home with your lady friend or whatever. Because yes. she might hate Celine Dion. You know? And then she, she'll... Your heart will go on or whatever. And then you'll experience delayed ejaculation. Because, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the point to all of this is to say that usually vibrators don't go bad and your body doesn't get used to it. It's more the fact that you, mindset I actually wise, forgot you that this whole it. point that you're making was how to make your vibrators feel new again. Yes. So, um, <laughs> literally... Change. So there's actually no tip here. The, 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 there's no like the tip there's is, no like put it in the refrigerator no. or change the batteries. No, something. no. The tip is to to change little things. Um, if you're if you usually do it in your the room when everyone's asleep, self love. Um, if you're young and you need to do it in a house that's full of people and you do it when everyone's asleep, maybe put in some earbuds and try some music, as Hans said, or or try it in a broom closet if you're alone. Just. Just try to change things up, but not too drastically because that's too yeah, much yeah. for your body. Otherwise, you're going to end up in the ER as well. Yes. Um, link to that. Which episode. we've already previously I love, discussed. I love the <laughs> amount of link backs we have in this one, by the way. Um, but all if all else fails, it could be that your mind 
is just too into it. And no matter how much you yeah, want to... Yeah, it's not to, your genitals, it's you. <laughs> yeah, no matter how much you want to masturbate, um, maybe you should give it a little bit of a rest. And lit- typically it's two weeks and then your body is reset. That That's how the body works. It's usually two weeks, 14 days. So just give yourself some, right. for, some me alone time without the... <laughs> Hand time. Give yourself some me time without giving yourself some me time. There we go. Some meat time, <laughs> if you will. Um, <laughs> and that's the end of NSFW. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Ed. Good information. This was a tips. really, really long episode, but it was wonderful. Um, generally, I know we, we tried to keep our episodes to an hour 30, but we saw the time and we were just like, nah, we're just going to go with it. Yeah. Um, One hour 40. You know, because, about... because why not? Y'all love us. Y'all love this content and you keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like one of those cool friends, you know? Um, I don't mean no, to, I don't though. mean to make light oh, no, but that. No, we do but, love. But they're one of these, y- y- y'all amazing. Yeah. Y'all amazing. Yeah. Now, um, before we go, we just wanted to uh, speak to you guys a little bit. Um, and, it's a few things we've been talking about, Edward and I, uh, just in the background, you know, when we discuss Gettle, you know, that kind of thing. And we're at Gettle 48, technically, which is season two, episode seven. Well, mm-hmm. for episode eight of season two, it will be our 50th episode of Gettle. Now, many of you might not realize it, but we edit every episode, meaning, you know, because, you know, life happens. Sometimes we have people walk in or, you know... Um, or phone rings or Siri interrupt. There's a variety of different things. Yeah. And so I generally take several hours um, to edit every episode because, you know, I listen to it and I make sure and I adjust the audio and make it sound good, you know, that kind of thing. But what we've decided to do, the two of us, and um, I don't know if we'll regret it at a later stage, but I'm hoping we don't because today's episode was actually legitimately good with the exception of um, one or two interruptions that we had, mm-hmm. is how we want to air episode 50 completely unedited it'll just be us recording from the beginning to the end all of the mistakes if there are any um all of the interruptions if there are many and that's it and uh we're actually genuinely excited and a little bit uh, apprehensive yeah a little bit <laughs> apprehensive to go um but i think i think it'll be fun i think it'll be something to look forward to and um we, we obviously we're mentioning it now just in advance because we're just curious to know what you think um you know are you keen to see what an unedited episode now bear in mind when i say un- unedited i just mean from a cutting out perspective not from an audio i mean we're still going to make the audio crisp because I mean, what is a podcast without crisp audio? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, there was one or two other things that we were talking about, and that had to do with actually the structure of the episode. But we've come to realize um, that most of you really like how it is at the moment. And so instead of changing things up, which would have just basically been making it more conversational versus, you know, the slight structure that we have, is we've just taken it upon ourselves to make it more conversational. <laughs> despite the structure as much as possible um edward's looking at me like what are you doing this is too much tmi no 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 i i di- actually dig this it's good that the viewers know um, um i would no yeah I, I feel like you know a lot of you write into us and you chat to us so i figured mm. let's just talk to you about it um and for those of you who we did reach out to personally who gave us such great feedback in the last week or two it's very much appreciated as always and for our 
newer listeners, it's actually been really good. Like some of you have also like, you know, reached out from all sorts of countries in the world. Um, you know, DMs, not necessarily public, which is perfectly fine and acceptable. And always it's just really nice. You know, it's nice. Because yeah. we we were checking our stats the other day and, um, you know, Gettle in itself is very unique. It's very different to a lot of other podcasts out there. But you guys seem to enjoy it. So thank you, yeah. as always. Yeah, for myself and Ed. This is not, yeah. not, I'm saying it's like this is the end. This is like, yeah, just like the beginning. We're going away forever <laughs> and always. Hans <laughs> is becoming a Pokemon master and I'm home alone. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm ditching Edward for my, my Pokemon master dreams. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'd probably take this with you and give you guys updates once a week. Actually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be the Pokedex hey, clan. Anyway. <laughs> Well, this is the end of Gettle 48, Season 2, Episode 6, um, from myself and Edward. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to seeing you all again soon. Ciao for now. Bye.